Goeieraan, dames en heren, bij welkom bij die Sunafenter gedenkelezing, wat uh, uh, waar het vanavond bij elkaar brengen en dat zal geleverd worden door uh, Prof. Pumla Gebodo Matikezelle, wie ik uh, binnenkort aan u zal voorstellen. Die journalist Sunafenter, wat in 2017 op 32-jarige ouderdom aan gebroken hartsyndroom, Dood is was een van Zuid-Afrika zijn nieuwe generatie vrijheidsvechters. Als lid van die zogenaamde SABC 8 heeft ze opgestaan tegen pogings om vrijheid van spraak uh, bij de SABC te meubans. Samen met haar zeven collega's ontvang zij die Nat Nat Nakasa prijs voor mediavrijheid, maar betaal met haar leven wie ons volgehouden intimidatie en teistering. Ons eer haar vanavond. Professor Pumla Gebode Madikezelle is, soos baie van u weet, die bekleer van die navorsingsleerstoel en studies oor historische trauma en transformatie aan die Universiteit Stellenbosch. I would like to just say a few more personal things about our speaker, Prof Pumla. I have had the privilege of recruiting her uh, to the University of the Free State where she made a, a huge difference, not only to the scholarship on trauma uh, and forgiveness at the university, but also to uh, the development of our students uh, who are uh, intergenerationally the carriers of the burdens of our divided past. Uh, Pumla is, without question, uh, in South Africa, one of the four or five scholars I would hire if I had that authority to any university in the world, not only because of the quality of her scholarship, but also because of the compassion of uh, that she carries with it. You cannot study uh, uh, issues of forgiveness, of memory, of identity, of trauma, uh, and not... Uh, be uh, in touch with yourself, in touch with your own limitations, in touch with your own uh, personal uh, concerns. I first really focused on Pumla when she wrote the amazing book, A Human Being Died That Night, which is based very much on uh, a series of, of, of conversations, but also meditations uh, uh, on her experiences with Eugene de Kock. And I remember reading that book when I was in another country late at night, alone by myself, and, and, and feeling emotionally overwhelmed, not just by the quality of what she was able to do as a social scientist, but by the immense uh, empathy which she demonstrated to a man the media dubbed as prime evil. Uh, it is a real honor, I know, uh, uh, for the University of Stellenbosch to have people of the caliber of, of Pumla, uh, Tuli Madonsala, and, and others uh, on our uh, campus. So Pumla, uh, welcome. Uh, I cannot think of a better person to uh, honor through your talk this evening the memory of, of, of Suna Fenter, and, and I know you will have something to say, having just met the uh, parents. But dames and heren, groot eer vir my om 
aan u voor te stellen. Ons eie prof Pumla geboren met gezellig. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's wonderful to be introduced by you. You uh, changed the course of my career by inviting me to Bloemfontein, so I will always remember that. I have a huge debt of gratitude to you. I know this is not about you today, but um, I just had to say that as well. So thank you. Thank you to the organizers for inviting me to speak this evening. I want first to acknowledge the parents of Suna Fenter, Philip and Christy um, Fenter, and their children who are twins. Um, the twins, boy and a girl. I think I have a right to say that at my age, although I know you're adults. <laughs> Wilhelm and Tessa, welcome to you all. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be invited to speak. Uh, at the memorial service, a memorial commemoration or in the name of your daughter. I have entitled my paper, First to Love, because that will lead us to bravery. Those are not my words. These are words that Lucano Calata said when he was reading his tribute to Suna at the SABC uh, celebration uh, of the memory of Suna Fenter and what she had done for them as the group of eight, the SABC eight. He was reading a tribute and I was very struck by these words, first to love because that will lead us to bravery. I thought about this and I thought about the word bravery and the word love. And I thought the, the idea of courage, someone being courageous, there is something at the core of courage that is about love. Because when you are standing up to people who are doing terrible things to your people, and you stand up and you speak with a voice, a clear voice of criticism of these actions. You are showing love to the people who are getting the consequences, the negative consequences of these actions. And so Lucania was right. First, love. Love comes first before courage. You've got to care for something. You've got to care for someone. You've got to care enough for these actions in order to speak out against them. And this is what uh, Suna did. Why do we celebrate memories of people like Suna? What is it about them that requires us to celebrate, that calls us to celebrate? What is a, what is a commemoration? What do we do when we commemorate someone's uh, life? We do it because they did something that reminds us of our ethical responsibility 
in the world. These kinds of actions are not simply something that should be passed by and dismissed as she did this and we must move on. The reason we celebrate the memory of Suna is because what she did at the time she did it was important for us. Our country was going through a terrible time. Our country is still not at ease. Our country was not at ease. So the, the, the COO of SABC, along with other leaders within the government at the time, the Zuma Cabal, these were people who were leading our country into the path of destruction. And we were all concerned about it. When she spoke out, she was speaking out on our behalf. And therefore, when we commemorate, when we celebrate her memory, we are being, we're reminding ourselves, it's not just, you know, we are shouting celebratory statements. We are being reminded about the clarion call that they made at a very critical time in our country. These commemorative events are for us critical because they call us to that place where we show love enough to stand up and to speak out against these terrible things that are happening around us. Now, Lukanya Zalata, the fact that this statement, this is the title of my paper, is from, uh, of my presentation this evening, is from Lukanya from Lukalata, reminds us as well of Lukanya himself being as the son of a man who stood out at the time of apartheid and spoke out against apartheid. The memory of Fort Kalata, Lucano's uh, father, is, re is recalled by the mother of Lucano, who appeared at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. When I read this statement, I listened to Lucano speaking, it immediately brought to mind for me Nomonde Kalata's own cry at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission a cry that was so loud that Anki Kroch called it the signature tune of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Now, when I met Nomonde Kalata a month before Suna died, we talked about that cry, what it meant for her. I had gone to Credoc to speak with her. I've been working with Nomonde for a number of years since she came to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And she said something to me that is very relevant today. She said, for her, when her son was part of the SABC-8, the whole trauma of those years came back to her. And I asked her, what, what was it about that moment? She said, the SABC-8, the notion of the SABC-8, next to the idea of her husband was killed as part of the Credoc 4. She said, for me, it's the number, the number eight and the number four. What is awaiting my son? What awaits my son? And almost exactly to the day a month later, Suna was killed. And that moment, that statement by the mother, that reflection by the mother, that to have an SABC 8 in struggle in 2017 in South Africa and to look back at 1985 to the 
Cradock Four, who were killed so brutally, doesn't bode well. It's almost like a premonition for me driving back. I thought, what is she talking about? What does she mean? And of course, because we knew the brutality of the moment, of the period, of the political time, the brutality of this time is a time that requires us to reflect on it for what it is. What is happening in our country today is a perpetration of a crime. The rolling out of the stories that you are hearing at the Zondo Commission when we think about what is going on there and all the stuff that are unspeakable that you are hearing, we may as well want to close our ears because it is so unbelievable. And because it is so unbelievable, we have to then think about what is the language that we give it. It's easy for us to give language to crimes of atrocity the perpetration of atrocity that are atrocities to the body that are physical, the torture, the killing, the maiming of people, the, the burying them in secret graves. All these crimes, when you look back, they are crimes against humanity. I think that it is time for us to look at this crime of corruption as a crime against humanity and to name the people who are committing these crimes perpetrators. Why am I saying this? I drive every day when I come to Stellenbosch. I drive through on the R310, through Kailicha, through Mitchell's Plain, all these places. In the past six months, six months, I'm not saying five years, in the past six months, the squatter community that is growing in Kailicha encroaching into Stellenbosch has multiplied multiple folds. The people who are building these homes, I witness them, I watch them, they are young girls, they are building these homes. Young girls, young, mostly young women, building with children playing around them. And then you think about what is their future? 25 years after our liberation, what is their future? What is the call for us, to us by Suna's memory and Lucano's words that love comes first? What is the call to us to do in order for us to address this as citizens of South Africa? What does Suna's memory call us to do? What does his work with the SABC aid call us to do? It calls us to stand up to see this, to witness what is going on. We are today witnesses to her trauma, to what she went through, and all the SABC aid went through. That trauma is reminding us, and what it led to reminds us that we don't want stories such as hers to repeat in our lifetime. We are called upon to stand up and speak truth to power, in the way that she did. Love comes first, then bravery. Love means here that we should care enough for the suffering around us to stand up as a community of citizens. As part of preparing this class, I want to, sorry, this presentation. I want to, I'm a teacher, sorry. I wanted to understand what was happening in Suna's life, besides what we know, 
with the march of the SABC aid. So I'm not on social media, but as you know, you can gain access to Twitter feeds through Google. So I did just that. I wanted to see, did she have a Twitter feed? There are just a couple of statements that I'm going to read. The light here is not that great. So on the uh, 26th of June, just a day before she passed, she writes, um, just four days left to nominate candidates for a new SABC board. It will have 12 non-executive members. This is on her mind. She's thinking about this, she's tweeting it, she's watching what's going on. Just four days left, you know, and the day, the following day, she is gone. So obviously there is a lot of anxiety, a lot of thinking about this. And going back to June 16th, she says, to the youth of our country, you were made for these times. Embrace it and use your power wisely. In a way, Suna is speaking to us. We are the citizens of these times. To the citizens of these times, you were made for this. We were made for this moment. We were created for this moment to love, to care enough, to stand up and to be brave. And here is one that really moved me deeply. She tweets a message, a conversation about Serena Williams, who has suffered herself a lot of ridicule, they've tried to silence her, they've thrown scorn on her, and there's a tweet about Serena Williams that she retweets, and that tweet is where Serena Williams speaks about all the challenges she's had in life, all the challenges, and yet she says, I've stood up, I've done what I had to do, I've been faced with all these challenges, but I've stood up, I've done what I have to do. And she cites Maya Angelou's poem, Still I Rise. She doesn't cite, she reads it to the audience. She's receiving an award. But Suna has this very short statement in her tweet. She says, still, like dust, I will rise. These are her words, Suna's words. Still, like dust, I will rise. And so it seems to me that as we gather here in loving memory for what she did, we are resurrecting her. We are returning to her grave in a manner of speaking, resurrecting her, reconstituting her and her message and reflecting on what does she call us to do. Still, I rise. And so she is inviting us to rise, to return to her grave, to reconstitute her as the voice that still lives with us, and to rise. And so this is what the message is, really, when we are gathered around these 
commemorative moments to remember the power of those actions, the power of the words of people like Sona. Love is such a fundamental aspect of humanity. If we claim to be human, if we claim to be human beings, if we want to reclaim our right as human beings, then at the core, fundamentally, we have to witness to that moment of love as human beings loving others, caring for others. I'm not talking about the lovey-dovey kind of love. The love that cares for the other. The love that rises beyond ourselves to connect with the other. That is what Suna's memory calls us to do. Still, I rise. Still, we rise and speak out when we see something going on. And I just want to say, in, finally, as a last statement um, from this work, that when we are reflecting on these words now by Lucanio, conjuring up what he represents, the memory of that past that Lucanio represents, which takes us back to his father's memory, his father's actions, as a courageous person who stood up and rose at that time that was difficult. These are not times that are not as difficult as those times. Suna, Lucanio, and others were facing huge consequences when they rose and stood, out, stood up against the COO of, of, of the SABC. They were facing expulsion, dismissal. They were facing criticism. We don't face those kinds of issues today. And, and when we are called to rise, we have nothing as much the same thing, things that they had to lose as, as, as we, we don't have the same thing that they had to lose today. We are today, this is our moment. This is our time we are called to do this. So when people like Angie Kroch say the clarion call of a mother of one of the colleagues of SUNA made at the Truth Commission was a, a call that was a signature, signature cune of the Truth Commission, these words of SUNA's should stay with us as a signature, signature cune of how we ought to be as human beings, to love, to care enough, to take action, to stand and take action. Thank you. Or a conversation, perhaps, not necessarily questions. <laughs> mm. 
It doesn't need to. It's just that I'm used to doing that. And so, but thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. And I, I think that um, um, if I were to be asked to add something to my, uh, to my talk, I, or, or to emphasize something um, that I would like us to take away, it is really the idea that um, uh, we need to name the deeds that we are witnessing for what they are. And um, unless we name them what they are, they will not be tackled appropriately. That is really part of the message to, today. What happened to Suna should not have happened. And um, when we think about what happened in the past, it's easy for us to use words like, you know, people are perpetrators, people committed a crime. These are these are major crimes. You know, when you see the suffering around us in our country as a consequence of what's going on, we, we should not avoid really engaging in, in, in this kind of language because I think it's the kind of language that will help us to name the deeds for what they are. Because for now, there is so little that is going on. We have the Zondu Commission, but it's a commission that is about finding out what happened. It's very important for us, but there is a next step. And the next step, I think, is in the consciousness of our, our consciousness. We need to, to name this for the destruction that they are causing to the world. They're not carrying guns and knives and torturing people, but it is tantamount. The kind of destruction is tantamount to these same acts that, are, um, that lead people to lose their lives. In, in this way, there they will be more people losing their lives. And so the more we begin to think about the language that we use to describe what's going on, I think um, the, 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 the more we will be powerful witnesses to what is going on. Thank you very much.